Hello, friends. Welcome to Resting Church Face, a podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Allen, and this is episode 28. This week, we are going to talk about the magic of Nancy Myers movies. You know my love for the holiday, but in this episode, we're going to break down just why all of Nancy's movies make us all feel so inspired, hopeful, and cozy. So sit back, relax, maybe make some homemade lavender honey ice cream and play some French music, and let's get started. The first Nancy Myers movie I ever saw was Baby Boom, and that was released in 1987. I don't think I saw it the year it came out, but I did see it when I was still small. And while Baby Boom wasn't actually directed by Nancy Myers, it was directed by her ex-husband, Charles Shire. It was co-written by her and Charles Shire. So when you watch the movie, it feels like a Nancy Myers movie. Like you can see her beginning to get her style. When I watched that movie as a kid, the thing that I remember the most is the farmhouse that Diane Keaton buys in the movie and she moves there with the baby. I wanted to live in that farmhouse. I remember thinking it was so cozy and so pretty and I wanted to eat apples and make jam (laughs) to do all the things that Diane Keaton does. It just made me feel very homey. And that is what, well, it's part of what a Nancy Myers movie does for us. There is something about Nancy Myers and the way that she directs and she writes that just makes you feel happy and inspired. So if you've listened to this podcast for any amount of time, you know that The Holiday is my absolute favorite movie. I went to the theater to see it eight times. I I mean, I went to the theater until they took it out, <laughs> until it was no longer available to see on the screen. And I bought the DVD the day it came out. I pre-ordered the soundtrack and I booked a trip to London two weeks after the movie came out on DVD. That is how much I loved it because it just, as Taylor Swift said, I was enchanted to meet the movie. That is the feeling it gave me. It was just magical. It really is an instant serotonin hit for me. I am still waiting for a guy that will write me a song using only the good notes. Where is he? I don't know. I've been waiting a long time. If you're listening to this and you are that guy or you know somebody that is that guy, contact me. So all that to say, I love this movie. (laughs) I think at this point it's become part of my personality. And I've looked back at other Nancy Myers movies and realized that there is a very common theme that runs through all of her movies. Actually, it's several different themes. And I think that they are the reason that I love them and that so many other people love them. And that's what I want to talk about. I will say there are three movies that are also Nancy Myers movies that I don't want to forget to mention, but we're not going to focus on those so much. So those are the two Father of the Bride movies, which I love, and The Parent Trap, starring Lindsay Lohan. Those are fantastic movies. But the three that I really want to talk about for this episode are Something's Gotta Give, The Holiday, and It's Complicated. So without further ado, let's get into it. If we're going to talk about Nancy Myers movies, one of the first things we need to talk about is the music. The soundtracks are perfect. The score is perfect. The songs she chooses for transitional moments, they're perfect. We'll talk about the score in a few minutes. But first, let's talk about the soundtracks to each movie because they're all different and they all set the tone for what the feel of the movie is going to be. So let's start with the first movie and that's Something's Gotta Give. 
Something's Gotta Give was released in 2003. It stars Diane Keaton, Jack Nicholson, and Keanu Reeves in one of his most charming roles. And this soundtrack is basically made up of a lot of easy listening French music, Italian music, um, 50 songs. So there's a lot of Charles Trenet, Eartha Kitt. Um, you've got the Flamingos. You know, I only have eyes for you. Um, Astro Gilberto. Do you like the way I said that? Um, so nice. The Summer Samba. Just a lot of calming music. And I think it really just conveys the feeling that Diane Keaton has, especially at the beginning of the movie, because she is this successful playwright. She has her life figured out. She has a beautiful home in the Hamptons. She really doesn't feel like she needs anything other than what she already has. She's writing a play. She has a great daughter and everything is calm. And then, of course, she meets Jack Nicholson. And then you start hearing songs like Jezur Shanoma, which is the, you know, I want a man <laughs> by Eartha Kitt. And it kind of just starts to mimic the way that she starts to feel. So it's just perfect choices. And then you've got, of course, The Holiday, released in 2006, starring Kate Winslet, Cameron Diaz, Jude Law, and Jack Black. That soundtrack features a lot of at the time, really current artists. So you have The Killers with Mr. Brightside. There's a lot of image and heat featured in this soundtrack, which is interesting because she actually did write some of the score with Hans Zimmer. But you've got Let Go by Fru Fru, which is, you know, an image and heat um, side project band. You've got um, Just For Now with image and heat. And then, of course, it ends with Aretha Franklin's You Send Me. But it just has a lot of modern artists. It also has a lot of Christmas songs because technically I guess it is a Christmas movie, but all of the songs are either really joyful, like rocking around the Christmas tree or kind of melancholy Christmas, like James Taylor's have yourself a merry little Christmas. So this film is definitely more of a modern soundtrack and it feels like 2006. Like you can feel the the music that was popular at the time, but it also has this timeless quality to it because she still sprinkles in some of these older songs and they just make you happy. And every time I hear Mr. Brightside, I picture Cameron Diaz singing it terribly off key. <laughs> or if I hear Let Go by Fru Fru, I think about Jude Law turning around to see Cameron Diaz waiting for him at the pub. So yes. You know, I love it. And then we come to It's Complicated, released in 2009, starring Meryl Streep, Alec Baldwin, Steve Martin, and in a smaller role, but a perfect role, John Krasinski. And of course, John Krasinski also had a little cameo in The Holiday, and I love that he pops up again in It's Complicated. A little story about It's Complicated. I went to see this movie on New Year's Eve 2009, so going into 2010. And I was supposed to meet up with some friends later, but during the day, I really just wanted to see this movie. So I took myself and I was really happy about it because it was an Nancy Myers movie. I was really excited. And I sat in the back row and just before the movie started, these two teenage kids came in, a boy and a girl. They sat one seat away from me. So there was just one seat in between us, whole empty theater that they chose to sit, you know, basically directly next to me. And then they proceeded to talk. They talked and they talked and they talked. And then they started to make out. And I was, it was driving me crazy. I, I could feel myself getting more and more annoyed. And then finally, I turned at one point and I saw that the girl had taken her shoes off. 
She had stretched out on the seat and her bare foot was about three inches from my face. And I felt Mount Vesuvius rising from my stomach. And in one instant, I went from a 29-year-old girl to a 95-year-old woman. And I leaned across that seat and I said, excuse me, I don't know if you came to make out or watch the movie, but I would like to watch the movie. So if you're going to make out, I suggest you leave because I would like to see this film. I said it in such a way that they immediately sat up and made not one more peep for the rest of the movie. And that is when I realized that I had become an adult that could shame children. So there's that. Okay, back to the music. This film features a lot of older artists. So it's David Bowie, Elta John, Gladys Knight, The Beach Boys, Crosby, Stills, and Nash. So it's a lot of artists that you feel like Meryl Streep's character would have really liked when she was younger. And every time they play, it's during a scene where Meryl Streep is beginning to feel her youthfulness and vitality come back. And it just kind of reflects the way that she feels. So this soundtrack, again, you know, just it just sets the tone for the feeling of the whole movie. And then there's the score. So each of these movies, the score is by Hans Zimmer. And I love them all. The Holiday I love the most, and I have probably played that one the most. But each of these scores are just wonderful. And when I put the music on, it makes me feel like I am a character in my own romantic comedy. I can't tell you how many times I have listened to the soundtrack for one of these movies when I am preparing to do something hard, like a job interview or a date or a dentist appointment. <laughs> but it just makes me feel like I can do all of these things because I am the leading lady of my own life. I listen to it when I'm writing. I listen to it when I'm preparing podcasts or editing. They're just calming and centering and happy, and they just make me feel all the happy feelings. And of course, Hans Zimmer has written countless scores for amazing movies. But I think his contributions to Nancy Meyers films are my favorite things and pieces of music that he's ever done. And if you're looking for examples of Hans Zimmer's scores on all these Nancy Meyers movies, I would say go to Spotify, look up the holiday soundtrack because I know that that's available. And the songs Maestro, For Nancy, and Cry are probably my three favorite. Um, I think they just kind of encapsulate the whole feeling of all of her films. Next, let's talk about the real star of every Nancy Myers film, and that is the set design. There are whole Instagram accounts that are devoted to Nancy Myers interiors and aesthetics. You know, if Nancy Myers had not gone into writing and directing, she could easily have gone into interior design and been extremely successful because all of her houses in every movie, you just, you want to move in immediately. And something's got to give. It's a beach house in the Hamptons. It's a lot of pale blues and beiges and dark cherry wood and spotless kitchens where you can make pancakes and listen to French music while you sit at your desk facing the ocean or go into your living room and see Keanu Reeves sitting on your perfect couch and you can join him in your turtleneck. And then in the holiday, you've got two breathtaking locations to choose from. You've got Kate Winslet's house, Rose Hill Cottage, which is just quintessentially British. It's the house that I would choose if I could choose any British house. That is the one I would want. And 
It's got stone walls and a chimney and a little gate. It's got uh, stone walls inside the house, along with fireplaces in every single room. Brass bed. Little tiny bathrooms that are kind of built into a hidey hole, (laughs) which I probably would not be able to stand up in, but that's fine. Wall-to-wall bookshelves which is my dream. I have printed out pictures of Rose Hill Cottage and saved them in my phone as well because that is really what I would like my house to look like. I've tried to model it a little bit after that. And then there's Cameron Diaz's house in LA, which is what I picture every celebrity's house looking like. So I think that's what Jennifer Aniston's house looks like on the inside. It's spacious and huge and has room after room after room and huge king-size beds and enormous bathrooms with clawfoot tubs and huge video libraries. That's the house that I think of, but it's gorgeous. And then of course, and it's complicated. It's like you have your own French bakery in your house in Santa Barbara. It's the kitchen really is the star of that movie. And of course she owns her own bakery. So you have also all of the eclairs and croissants and baguettes And, you know, you want a coffee and a pastry immediately after you watch it. And, of course, there's this scene in It's Complicated where Meryl Streep makes lavender honey ice cream. And my friend Ashley and I were like, that sounds delicious after we had seen this movie. So we looked up a recipe and tried to make it. And it was awful. (laughs) It was so bad. I mean, maybe we made it incorrectly. But still, knowing that it's awful, when I see that scene in that movie, I'm like, you know... I could sure go for some lavender honey ice cream right about now. So I think the scenery and the set design, all of it, is really a character that is also in Nancy Meyers movies. It's what we've come to expect when we when we see her name on a movie, on a preview. It's not just the story, which is important, but it's also the setting. And finally, I think the thing that runs through all three of these Nancy Myers movies in particular is that there is a strong female lead character or more than one strong female lead character. And I think that the female characters in Nancy Myers movies differ from a lot of romantic comedy female characters in a couple ways. So the first one is that none of these women are like 22 years old. <laughs> they're all women above 30. So they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s. And, of course, the actresses portraying them are also in their 30s, 40s, and 50s. So it really drives home the point that you don't have to be an ingenue to have an interesting life. And just because you're over 40 or 50, it doesn't mean that, you know, you're on your way to the nursing home. (laughs) There's still really big moments that you can experience. You can still fall in love. You can still have your heart broken. You can still start a new career it really makes you feel like anything is possible at whatever age you are. Also, each of these women have successful careers, so they don't need a romantic relationship to make them feel fulfilled. They're not against love, but they don't need a man in order to be happy. And I think that's an important point because, yes, in all of these movies, they do end up finding their partner, but they don't have to because... You know, it's more about finding who they are and being happy than necessarily finding love. And I think that's an important distinction. You know, Diane Keaton in Something's Gotta Give is a very famous playwright. 
And while she does fall in love with Jack Nicholson, she also likes Keanu Reeves. And she realizes that if Jack Nicholson isn't going to treat her well, there are other men out there that will appreciate her. And so when it does end in a, and I'm not going to spoil it if you've never seen Something's Gotta Give, it is a more satisfying ending because Diane Keaton knows who she is and she knows what she's worth. And then in The Holiday, there is really, to me, I think the most important relationship in, in that film is Iris Simpkins, which is Kate Winslet, and the Jasper Bloom storyline. And when she finally realizes she doesn't need Jasper Bloom, I have had my own Jasper Bloom. And it is really a wonderful moment when you break free of that feeling of needing them to be in your life when you realize they don't have to be and that you can have a fulfilling life without them in it. That's a really eye-opening moment. So she doesn't need the guy. And then in It's Complicated, Meryl Streep realizes that she is falling back into patterns that she had gotten herself out of years before. And she has the self-realization that this guy that has been in her life, her ex-husband, Alec Baldwin, Maybe this is not the best idea for her and she figures it out. And so again, the ending is more satisfying when she finally figures out what she does want because she knows herself. Nancy Myers also makes friendships really important in these movies for these female characters. In Something's Gotta Give, Diane Keaton's sister is her sounding board. It's her person. It's her best friend. She tells her everything. She gets advice from her. In The Holiday, it's the friendship between Iris and Arthur. Arthur is the 90-year-old neighbor, but he is the one that can be honest with her and tell her that she is acting like the best friend in a movie when she should be the leading lady. In It's Complicated, Meryl Streep has a whole group of women that are her friends that, that get together all the time and they bring out the youthfulness in each other. They gossip. They are fun to be around, but they're also honest. And Meryl Streep's character feels safe to tell them anything because she knows that they're going to give her their real opinions and they're not going to judge her. And then that brings me into the final realization that I've had about these female characters and that it's that each one of these women has something that they have to overcome internally to get where they need to be. So they figure something out. They realize that it is never too late to do something. And that includes even Baby Boom. So, you know, in Baby Boom, she's this high-powered businesswoman who finds herself moving to this small country farm with a baby that she never intended to have in her life and she finds herself and then in something's got to give we've got again a woman who thinks that she has everything and then she falls in love and she thinks that when it doesn't work out at the beginning that her whole life feels over and she's grieving and crying but then she begins to find herself again she begins to come out of writer's block and she's realizing that there is power in her emotions and she's able to channel those emotions onto paper and write the best play she's ever written. And in The Holiday, we talked a little bit about Jasper Bloom and Iris Simpkins and how Iris finally realizes that he is never going to treat her correctly. He is never going to commit to her in a relationship. He's not going to leave Sarah. He's always going to be dangling this carrot in front of her to get her to follow him. She will always be a security blanket and she finally breaks free. And it's such a liberating moment. 
And then, of course, Cameron Diaz, you know, we have this character that can't cry because she's been so traumatized by a terrible divorce when she was a child of, you know, her parents divorcing. And so when she finally is able to shed a tear, it's it's not just about being able to cry. It's that she's beginning to be able to accept feeling emotions and portraying those and letting other people in to her life. And then Meryl Streep, and it's complicated, she thought she had gone through all of the processes of grieving and moving on from her divorce from Alec Baldwin. And she finds out that she hasn't. She still has a lot of residual feelings and bitterness and anger. And she finally is able to work through those feelings and realize what and who she wants. And she's able to close that chapter. And that, again, also is a very triumphant feeling for her character. Nancy Meyers films draw us in because she gives us the freedom to see ourselves in each character or song or piece of furniture. And we can dream along with her and plan out what inspires us and who we want to become. Nancy is classy and her films are classics and we'll be watching them for years to come. Her movies are magic. I hope she makes at least a dozen more. Right, guys, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out with me again this week. And thank you for telling your friends and family about the podcast and sharing it on social media and following and subscribing. I appreciate it so much. If you get a chance to leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that would mean the world to me. It just helps people find the podcast. If you would like to find me on Instagram, it is super easy. I am at Resting Church Face. I hope you have a fantastic week and let's get together again soon. <music>